the NFL stands for not for long. Set Sharga and Armstead. Roll out. Walker still running out. Looks to the left. Wide open. Thompson touchdown. Colin Thompson with the touchdown. There was nobody within 20 yards. What of a catch off the bobble. Colin Thompson scoops it up. Lofting quarter of the end zone. It is caught for the touchdown. The first NFL touch for Colin Thompson is a score. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Colin Thompson Show. I appreciate everybody tuning in. I hope everyone's having a safe and healthy holiday season. Everything we do here at Not For Long Media is brought to you by our friends at the Fudge Kitchen. If you're looking for something this holiday season, get your shipment in now. They'll get it to you right before Christmas. Takes a couple days, if that. They make it fresh. Fudgekitchens.com. They ship it right out the back door, right on the UPS truck. UPS truck comes to them. They don't go to UPS. That's how much stuff they ship across the country. All your saltwater taffy, all your sweet handcrafted fudge, all the goodies from the drawer there, the chocolate-covered pretzels that are literally the greatest thing on earth. Fudgekitchens.com. Check them out. So special guest today on my show. I want to get back to doing these you know, evergreen episodes, if you will, with, with they never, you know, which means they never get old, that you can listen to them whenever. Liam McHugh, you, you've seen him on NHL TNT, your NBC Sports NHL coverage did a ton. He's on Notre Dame coverage. He's just like a pro's pro, so enjoyable. Like to me, he's does a great job being super professional, but also light and fun and relatable, which is as a lead host. I think so important and really, really hard to do. Syracuse University grad, University of Buffalo grad, uh, just super successful, has a great journey, and I think you're really going to enjoy the episode um, with Liam McHugh. So without further ado, we'll send it over to Liam. Have a great holiday season, guys. We'll talk soon. All right, so we have the great Liam McHugh on. I appreciate you joining us, my friend. I, I'm coming on just because I want to hear the great Liam McHugh. That's a, the nicest introduction. I, I appreciate it, man. No, it's it, it's really cool coming out of you. I know we've been trying to connect for a while. So, uh, and I love the fact that you're a big football guy, but you you love the NHL. So, I'm pretty pretty pumped to talk to you, man. Yeah, thank you. I, I people know on the show, I'm not afraid to send a little DM and tell them some of them a fan and say, hey, come on the show. You know, nothing we do on here is like hot topics or controversial, but good conversations with people like yourself. And I, I like to mix it up on our show. I like to say we're like Joe Rogan minus the 150 million, minus the weed, minus the booze, <laughs> minus the politics. <laughs> so wherever that lands us, it, it's somewhat of a fun zone, I guess. You could curse, but I just don't, you know. That that know sounds you- that sounds like a, a perfect window right in there. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The money eventually would be nice. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a good it's a good place to start. It is a good place to start. So what's going on in your world, man? I, listen, you're doing an unbelievable job with TNT, and you know, you're know you a Turner now, and you're with NBC Sports in the past, and you've done a little bit of everything. Like, you know, this is what your profession is. Like, you guys are just – you've done everything from Tour de France, Notre Dame stuff, which everybody does at NBC, <laughs> uh, you know, to now you're doing hockey and you sit next to Wayne Gretzky and the great Paul Bissonnette every day. So what's going on in your world today? What do you got going on? Uh, this is, listen, uh, I, I love what I do. I, I've loved it for a long time, but I, I, what I do now for TNT, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a joy. I mean, like I have to say, I love doing everything I did at NBC, which was a, a bit of uh, literally every sport that they had, you know, it was like whatever season was going on. I had a, a piece of it and it was nice and you're bouncing around. 
but this feels like I can focus on one show, one group of people. Uh, and you know, everyone wants to get that type of show where it's like, Hey, it's you and three or four buddies sitting around talking about something you love. Uh, and I think producers sit there in rooms and they like, you know, they pound the desk and they uh, executives are there and like, this is the type of show we need. And, um, I don't know how this all came together, but we all sort of meshed pretty instantly. Uh, myself, Anson, who I'd worked with at NBC, uh, Paul Biznet, who I honestly, I only knew like the way most people know him, like through social media. Uh, we had not met in person until we were basically on set in Atlanta. Uh, and Gretzky and I had met once, uh, chatted very briefly about seven years before we were on the show together. Uh, so that was, you know, I didn't, uh, and I couldn't believe he even said yes to the opportunity because he's Gretzky. He didn't have to do this. And same thing with Henrik Lundqvist. I mean, I, listen, I live in New York and I'm an Islanders fan, but I'm well aware that like Henrik Lundqvist is like a god here. Like he's on the cover of every magazine. He's a style icon, a sports icon. Uh, but some, by some bizarre twist, you put us all in a room, everybody calms down when they need to be calm, everybody gets hyped when they need to get hyped and everyone just enjoys each other. Uh, and they listen to each other, which is kind of rare in sports. So, uh, I don't know by some bizarre, you know, flash of chemistry, this, this show has come together and I'm having more fun doing this than I've had uh, doing any other job. That's awesome. There's a certain ego, right? That it takes to be successful in sports. You know, everybody's going to say they don't have an ego, but it, you have you have to you have to have an ego in anything you do in a certain way. The world words kind of very gets thrown around very loosely and has a negative kind of you know just grasped and feel to it. But really, like that group in there when it comes to listening and really like anybody at TNT, like even the basketball show, right? Yeah. Which we all know is monstrous. Like those guys are bigger. Like they're as big as the game. Like they're they're huge. Like Charles Barkley is like. NBA right now, period. He's like the Mount Rushmore of NBA. Like he's it. He's on it. He's like the face of the current NBA. And and you could say the same about your show. Like everyone's just like laid back and giving their thoughts and like it's you know they make fun of themselves. Like there's something to that. I, I think so, and I think that a lot of credit has to go to the folks at TNT. I mean, listen, yeah. they brought us all together, and like, yeah, there's some notes, some coaching along the way, but for the most part, it's listen, we hired you because we wanted you to be you. We didn't hire you to then try to mold you into something else. Uh, and I think that's, that's really refreshing in, in this business. Um, you know, you usually get, hey, we have an idea for a show and then that idea changes. So we're going to change you along the way. And that's really never been the case here. And I think because of the NBA success, we get that opportunity. We get that freedom. Uh, and you know, Barkley is, he, he's synonymous with the game at this point. And, you know, I look at our show and, and I talk about just the idea of us playing off each other and listening to each other. And you do need ego in this job. You're right. I mean, you're on TV and you have to have confidence and you have to have confidence in what you're saying. You have to have confidence in the fact that maybe you could tell an entertaining story. Um, listen, there are people, it, it's tough telling stories in front of five, five other individuals. And you know, like you're out there and you're putting personal stuff on the air and you hope it's entertaining. Like, you better be confident in that story. But I would also say that like ego goes so far and everyone, uh, and I think it's really, it's such a great part of hockey. Everyone's so used to being chirped by teammates yeah. that if they don't get chirped for something that they deserve to get chirped for, we're almost annoyed now. And that happens on our show where like if an analyst says something and then two seconds later, the other analyst says the exact same thing, 
and it was very evident that they didn't listen to the first person. Like it is, I immediately now call that person out, and so does the so do the two other people at the desk, and that becomes the show. Like whatever we were talking about is gone. We are now just talking about the fact that you know Biz or Anson didn't listen to the other guy, and you know what's the matter with you? We're all up here, and I think it's refreshing to the viewer. Like they heard it, they saw it. Like we're not going to shy away from it, uh, and it's more fun that way. And I think that's what you get from Barkley and Shaq and Kenny. And EJ is the best of that, you know, where he is, you know, Ernie Johnson's in charge of that show, runs that show. But I think one thing I really learned from him is just this idea of like sitting back and you guys are going back and forth. And this is a lot better than whatever the hell we had planned. So just keep going for a while. And then when I need to, I'll jump in. Uh, and I, I think that's that's something that TNT really encourages. They do. The, the way those two shows are, I I dive into your show. Like I put it on and if it's the wild playing the stars and it's 10 minutes left before intermission, I, I flip over, you know, whatever, but I'm ready. I want to watch you guys. Now I'll watch some of the game. Don't get me wrong, but if there's something pulling me elsewhere with my wife or whatever, I'll flip it back, but it's so refreshing. And it's not like the rest of the sports world is wrong where I don't want to say they're archaic, but it's just like, Oop, 30 second hit. All right, next guy, go back to here. Now, Liam, you got to go here now with it. And it's so it's, it's almost podcasty, if you will, and fun and loose. And it's just entertaining because there's no pressure when you watch it. There's no like, I have to listen right now. It's almost like one of those TV shows like The Office where you can go back and watch any time. And you're like, this is great, which is like an old podcast. It's like evergreen in a way. Like you can listen anytime. And I know I'm pumping your show up a lot, but I just wanted to make sure we gave it its flowers before because it's so different and unique um, for the NHL, non-NHL listeners on here. And they're like, what are you talking about? We're talking about, you know, the show with Liam and Anson Carter, Hendrick Lundqvist, Paul Bissonnette, Keith Yando comes on, Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. And it's really fun. Whether you're a hockey fan or not, it's enjoyable. I'm sure some people have said to you like, hey, I'm not even a hockey fan and I watch your show. You know, that's been the different part of this from, uh, I've said the time at NBC and like, listen, I was proud of everything we did there and we had a certain style. Um, there was a but that was hockey. Though. That was like your hockey. Yeah, it was, it was you like, turn like, that on. News, what's the news day? What are we hitting today? And, and that's okay. Like I mean, I, you know. Yeah. Um, and I was happy, like happy doing it. I enjoyed doing it. Um, and I, I got to work with Keith Jones for years. Who like oh, love yeah, this. You know, one, Thank one God he's with the Flyers, and we're going to get in. The, the, uh, we'll get into oh, like they're in a line in a great direction. Thank goodness. Thank uh, goodness. It, it, it's 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 amazing to me that Keith Jones, my friend, is now the president of the Flyers. But at the same time. The Flyers, the Flyers are in such good hands. So, like, yeah. it, it, it's such a good deal there. But, uh, yeah, I just think what I love about the show, and, you know, I think a good example is, like, we've had uh, periods of hockey where it's, like, like, it's a little blah. And everyone at home knows that the period really wasn't, like, anything all that entertaining. And, yeah, like, we could pick it apart and diagram something. And, listen, if something stands out and it's hockey-wise, our guys are great at that. They can break it down. I mean, like, Biz, who – like it could be up there and he's just kind of self-deprecating and uh, uh, you know, wants to entertain and Gretzky, who's a storyteller, uh, they can switch gears and they could just break down. We could pick apart that period if we want to, but there's also times we come back and I'm like, what do you guys think? Like it was terrible. Like it was boring period of hockey. So why are we spending so much time on it? I, I mean, I'm, Gretzky told me off air, this story about uh, the last time he went to the hall of fame where he went with, his son, who did not play hockey, was you know more of a baseball player. He was young at the time, and the Hall of Fame's really interactive. And 
you know, his, his son's younger, so this has got to be years ago. And so Gretzky goes in there and he's got like a hat and sunglasses on because he's like, I can't be in the Hockey Hall of Fame just walking around. It's, you know, like people are going to come up. So his son is doing this interactive thing where he's shooting the puck. And uh, he was a baseball player, but he's like, here, let me try it. Makes the first one, makes the second one, misses the third, makes the fourth. His dad's like, wow, like that's pretty darn good. And he goes, dad, dad, you try. So Gretzky goes up, misses the first, misses the second, misses the third badly. And some 17-year-old kid who's running this little thing within the Hockey Hall of Fame, you know, probably just interning, whatever, uh, walks over. He's like, uh, excuse me, sir, you might think about lowering your hand on the stick. And, and Gretzky looks at him, like pulls the sunglasses off. He's like, you get, he's like, we got to get out of here right now. He's like, this is going to be a scene. He's like, if this kid finds out who I am and they see he's correcting me. And he tells us that, like, as we're walking to the set. And I remember being like, and we all kind of look at him. And he's like, what? I'm like, well, we're not talking about anything else. I said, that's it. I was like, that's what, like, if I'm at home, I want to hear that story. Like, uh, you know, if this, this is a bad period of hockey and Hall of Fame uh, inductions are coming up, that's all I want to hear if I'm at home is that Gretzky story. So I think the idea that, you know, we know we can rip up anything at any point, talk about something else that's interesting. And now we have a guy like Gretzky who not only has those stories, but it's like he's willing to share them, which you know, and he's God. He, he's literally hockey God. It's, it's amazing. Like I, when he took the job, that was my one concern: was he's going to be there for a week and he's going to look at the rest of us and be like, "I don't need to be here with these clowns. I'm Wayne Gretzky. Like, what am I doing here?" But you want to be on that desk. You want to be on that desk. Like, if I was in media, I'm in media. But like, if someone's like, "Hey, you got the opportunity to go here, or here," I mean, that's the, the you want to work for Turner and sit on that desk with you guys and have fun. Like, yeah, and I think that's what he's taken from it is. He's having fun. Uh, exactly. He's having a good time. And it, I, I think in many ways it reminds him of the times when he was a player because it, it's a, it's locker room in the best possible way. You know, it's guys ripping on each other. And if Gretzky does something that he deserves to be chirped for and he doesn't get chirped about it, like, I think he's a little offended. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, this is not the way hockey's supposed to go. You're supposed to hit me up. So we do. And the cool thing about Gretzky is like, he is the ultimate now, like he's, listen, he's the godfather, uh, but he can, and he is this calm presence, but he can just hit you with a dagger really subtly. And when he does that, it's like, you know, it's a show. It's one of those moments where the show just like mic drops and we can go to commercial. We don't have to put anything else out there. Yeah, it's a great show, man. I love it. It's uh, the locker room feel, the fun, and it's, it's close to the locker room because you fly in there a couple days. You work a little bit, you get a nap, you get a little dinner. All right, you work a little bit more, and then you're out of there. And then you get something, and then you're like, all right, I, I'll be back next Tuesday. I got a couple of days of fun here. Like, it's very similar. That's, for me, trying to get in and out, in and out of this league. I've been, I was at the Vikings in training camp. This was my, going into my seventh year in the NFL. And it's like, this is what I miss, is that kind of like earning my off time has been hard. You know, that's the biggest challenge. And, not, and, and it's similar in that profession. Like for you, you guys are always on. But in a way, it's like, all right, you're here, you're here, you're there. And then, okay, here's my time for fun and family. And that compartmentalizing is what I miss because I think it enhanced my focus at work. It enhanced my fun. If I'm out, route, having drinks or dinner or whatever, I'm really focused on that. Now it's like you're always focused on the next thing instead of like enjoying the moment. At least that's what I've had some no, I think there's something to that. I mean, you know, uh, listen, I, I was never an athlete like you guys were, but I, like I, I briefly played Division One college soccer, and I was terrible at it. But it, like, it did, you know, like 
I was an athlete my whole life and it regiments your life in a way that you get very used to that schedule of, of like, you know, mm-hmm. when you need to focus on uh, sports, when you need to focus on academics, when you need to cut loose and let it go. But then I remember the off season coming and like I was lost, you know, and now, uh, you know, if I get a few weeks off in a row, like my wife is like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, like you, you're like, in, you, you're just useless around here. Like you, yeah, you can't finicky. respond to conversations. Like you're not, I just want to lay on the couch. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Like, She's like, yeah. you need to just keep going. Like, we can't stop you. Uh, and and I, I, I like that, though. It's busy, and I have three kids, and, you know, they're they're getting a little bigger, and they're playing sports. So it's, uh, you know, my downtime is much different than, than Biz's downtime and, uh, and Gretzky's <laughs> downtime. Sure. But the cool thing is, like, Gretzky sort of knows because his kids are, are older, so he'll ask me about uh, my kids and what they're up to. And I think Biz is listening, thinking, like, oh, man, like, these are the steps you got to take. Like when you become an adult, he's like, all right, let's, let's keep this at bay for as long as possible. Because he's like, I see Liam aging rapidly uh, over this last few years. So it's, but it, it's cool. And I think the nice thing is everyone's interested in everyone's uh, outside life where we know we all live very different existences. I mean, you know, maybe Biz goes plays golf with a couple of hockey players. Uh, does like a stand oh, yeah. And then Gretzky comes in. He's like, yeah, I was playing golf with Jordan the other day. Uh, Michael Jordan? Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, you know, uh, MJ. Um, he goes, like, Mike. No, we don't know. We don't, we don't know that that's what people do on their off days, but tell us more. The people that he has met, I, I can't imagine. We'll get into him, but I want to dive into your kind of, in your journey here and take us back. What were some moments for you that you're like, you know what? I, re- I really want to do this. I want to go down this alleyway of journalism and media and who knows where I'll go, but this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I want to do. Yeah, I mean, when I first started off, I was a, a sports writer, um, you know, and I I think broadcasting was back in my mind. I wasn't really sure about it. Uh, it, it seemed far-fetched. It just didn't seem like something that uh, was attainable. Uh, and I grew up, my dad, English teacher, my mom was a library clerk, so reading was huge in our house. We were on this house, just like newspapers, magazines, and books just piled up everywhere. And uh you know, sports was huge in my family too. Uh, my, my dad was a track coach for 30 years. He was uh, he was a big time runner when he was young, and my, my brother was a big time runner. So uh, it was it was a big part of our lives. And I knew I wanted to do something and combined it uh, all of it. And I love storytelling, so I, was, I got into writing. Uh, I wrote for you know Newsday in New York for a little bit as a freelancer. Wrote for ESPN Magazine as a freelancer back when it was like a phone book. Remember that, like when ESPN Magazine was just this yes, enormous, it was huge. Oh, it was, it was, like it double was, the size of regular magazine, width wise and height. Oh, it was great for guys like me who were trying to break in. So you'd write these like small sidebars because they had, you know, they had all this money and magazines were going to be forever. And then, then this, you know, the internet came on and uh, blew that up. So, uh, and and I, I think deep down inside, I knew like it wasn't probably going to happen for me. Uh, I knew I wasn't really as gifted or talented as a lot of the writers there. And I wanted to go back, uh, try broadcasting, and I was encouraged by some people at ESPN Magazine, which was great. And I don't know if that was them encouraging me to get out of writing or or actually that I'd be good at broadcasting. But either way, uh, I did that. And, you know, I think the thing is my parents who, like, I didn't grow up with a ton of money. I went to state school, and it was cheap back then. And they paid for it, and uh, I loved them for it. But then when I went back to grad school, uh, it was Syracuse. It was private school. It was uh, expensive. It was all on my dime. Uh, and you're taking out loans. And 
all of a sudden for me, it was like, all right, like, you know, you can't fail. Like, this is all the money you have in the world. In fact, it's less than that because you just owe all that money. And uh, you got to make something happen here. So, you know, listen, I, I mean, uh, Syracuse is really helpful, but you, you travel all around. I was in Indiana, Oklahoma. I was unemployed for 13 months, uh, uh, you know, just waiting for something to pop and sleeping on my now wife's couch. Uh, we were dating and then engaged. God knows why she married me during that time. But she was with me during the unemployment time. So she was she was in it. Uh, she was in it before yep. all this. So it, it's it, it's been like kind of a crazy trip. But uh, I got a, I got a huge break uh, back in when Versus was a thing. Uh, that channel they hired me to do an all sports show. It didn't last long, but it was around the time that uh, Comcast and NBC merged, and my contract was going to go a couple of months over into that merger. So they kept me on trial doing NHL. I really was not an NHL person. And as you know, like if you are not an NHL person doing NHL, people can be ruthless. Uh, but again, my wife and I just moved to the city, uh, moved to Manhattan, signed a lease that we could not afford. And it was, again, one of those things where it's like, I, there's no failure. There's no option here. Like I have to keep this job. So I work like crazy, but I also, I like the best part of my hockey and the best part of the shops of ours, like I've had unbelievable teammates. And I would say during that time, Keith Jones and Mike Milbury, like were great teammates to me. And, you know, uh, I know Mike can come off like rough around the edges and a curmudgeon, but like, I think he saw me as someone like, Hey, listen, this guy could be good for the show. He could be good for broadcasting. Um, so we're going to help him along. Like if he works, at the hockey part. And it wasn't like I didn't know hockey. I was a fan. I just was not a hockey guy every night, which you have to be, have to be to do this job. Um, But both of those guys were so helpful along the way. Uh, And I still remember the first Stanley cup game I did. It was in Vancouver against Bruins 2011. And I'm prepping like crazy. And I have notes and we're about to go on and they're counting us down from 10 and they get to five. And Jonesy looks over me and goes, I don't worry, kid. Nobody's watching. And they're like, and you're on. And I'm like, and it was like the best moment of like, hey, like, relax. Who cares? Just like, talk to us. We'll talk hockey. It'll be okay. Um, and I think that's sort of the, the magic of like Keith Jones. You know, he, he's got the right attitude about life. Um, he, you know, sort of like you've prepared, you've done enough work, let it go. Just enjoy this moment. Yeah, his laid back mentality but intelligence connectability with you know obviously fans but most importantly players in hockey i think that's why the flyers hired him it was like oh he's got no experience he's got loads of experience for that job and i love it like i love people yes i respect people that climb the ladder they deserve it but i'm loving the new world of hiring we're starting to see in sports a little bit field hockey forget her name we've talked about on the show but she played field hockey at unc yeah and then she became the head coach the next year crazy story uh unbelievable like i love that i I love the fact that jonesy who's got no front office experience becomes the president of the philadelphia flyers one of the biggest brands in the nhl like that is awesome yes he played for the flyers yes he lives in south jersey and i get all that but we're hiring him based off of all the things we want in the position 
not just if you climb the ladder. And I'm excited for the Flyers. I know we talked about a little bit before, but they're heading in the right direction. I think it's good for hockey when they're good. I'm Torts is a character. Like he helps your guys show. Oh, yeah. Danny Briere being a former Flyer. Like they're they're finally heading the right direction. That was my only ask. But even this year, if they weren't as good as they were, I'm like just head in, head in a direction, down or up, because they get in this like kind of purgatory in the middle. Yeah, no, I, I think you can run into that situation where it's like you're just competing for the final wild card, but you're not going to be one of those final wild card teams that makes a run. And, and what's the next year look like? Yeah, and, they- and that's and, and if you're just adding pieces near the deadline that are just going to make you that much better, where it's like ah, you just got in, but you're not going anywhere. It's yeah. I think you're you're on that endless cycle. Uh, you're really running on the treadmill to absolutely nowhere. But no, I mean Jonesy's Jonesy's in there and he's he's he rest assured, like he has a plan. Like this is long term. He is so committed to this franchise. He said it, uh, and I, I firmly believe it. This is not a job he would have taken with any other organization. Um, yeah. I think I think he was very happy doing what he was doing. I'd be doing it forever. He likes the lifestyle, but I will say like. As much as the lifestyles was, he, he also joked that he worked more in the first two weeks during that job than he did in the last 10 years doing broadcasting. But Jonesy watches more hockey than anyone I know. He just doesn't have to tell everybody that he did it. And that's kind of the beauty of him. He doesn't have to walk in the room and tell everybody how smart he is and tell everybody how much work he's put into it. It's done. It's there. And instead, he walks in and he's calm and he's comfortable and he's, he's a pleasure to be around. And uh, it, it's disarming, which is nice. It, it settles people down, which is a good thing. And I think it's a nice contrast to uh, Torts. Not that Torts is like smartest man in the room type thing, but Torts is intense. You know, that's who he is. And that's who he wants to be. He is direct. He is intense. And he is brutally honest. Um, where, and, you know, we have Lundquist. Lundquist played with him, played for him. Uh, and he liked it. Because it was like, hey, you knew where you stood. Uh, guys on the team, they committed to his plan, and you knew where you stood, and he would tell you if it wasn't working out. There was no mystery about that. Uh, for Jonesy, I mean, he is also like he's a hockey savant. He, he just knows so much about the game. Uh, this is a great story where he, when we were at NBC, and it was during the, uh, the bubble hockey summer, and it was no one was broadcasting really. Most people were not broadcasting from the arenas. You know, we were at in this very sterile environment in the studios, uh, guys were calling games from little booths. Uh, Jonesy was doing both. He was doing studio and calling games because they could have him go back and forth because it was really one room to the next at NBC. Uh, he walks in one day, uh, he's got jeans, flip-flops and an Eagles t-shirt on. Cause he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm not going to be on camera. I'm calling this game. What difference does it make? And uh, Tariko's calling the game with him. And Mike is, you know, buttoned up and ready to go. And he's got like a binder full of notes that I'm sure he's already memorized because it's Mike Tirico. Uh, and Jones walks in with like a pen. And Tirico goes, are you going to bring any notes in here? Like, did you did you want someone to bring this? He goes, I don't know. He's like, I got it. They'll drop the puck and I'm like, I'll, I'll let you know what's going on. And I think people can look at that as like, oh, he's not taking it seriously. Jones, he knew all the players. Like, it, it was already in there. And he can tell people, this is amazing, by uh, not only what hand shot they are, instantly knows every guy in the league righty lefty but he doesn't have to look at numbers like he's got people by size and skate stride that alone i mean we would watch on a tuesday night like one of those nights where it's like 12 games are going on at the same time 
And Jones would be picking out things. He's like, that's not going to count. It went off the skate and he definitely lifted it. Like while another play was going on over here, he's like, that's an elbow to the head. They're going to have to review that. Um, he sees everything. He's so quick with the game, but it's because he puts a ton of work into it. He's just not going to tell you all about it. And I, I think people on the people who were sour about the hire saw it as, oh, a guy from the media, a guy just connected to the team. Now, like, this is a guy who is, is more passionate about your team than you are and studies more than you do. So uh, he's got a plan and, uh, you know, he will work himself to the bone for the Philadelphia Flyers. He loves that organization. There's three people I need to ask you about before we wrap things up. Wayne, Gra oh, excuse me, we talked about Wayne a little bit. The I think the greatest hockey player of all time, Connor McDavid. I love Wayne, but playing in this current landscape, Connor's nasty. So Wayne's the greatest of all time. He always will be, but I like to make the argument that Connor will be someday. Connor McDavid, his name slipped in my mind right now in, in Chicago. Holy cow. Connor Bedard? Horrible media. So the three people I need to ask you about, let me start over. Connor McDavid, Connor Bernard, and Paul Bissonnette. <laughs> and not in that order. And I don't think those three people you could put in the same category. And that's where I was getting to before I had a crazy, crazy mental roadblock. So <laughs> let's start with Biz, the most important one of them all, because I think he is, again, he's on the Mount Rushmore of hockey right now, the four people that have the most influence on this game. I was always a hockey fan. I had a buddy tap me on the shoulder one day and said, I think you should listen to Spitting Chickens. I think you really enjoy it. It was right before Biz got on. And now it's a part of my life and lifestyle. I now listen to Missing Curfew with O'Brien and Upshaw now. I, it, it's become a passion, but really it's because of that it's chicklets, one. But two, Biz. And this guy is, first off, he's nuts. And he's hysterical. But he's super smart. And works his ass off and i think he's so talented he's perfect for you guys what are you like i'm lost for words like no what's this guy's impact i mean he's insane business a character his his impact on the game is massive uh and he's you know you mentioned like he works his ass off like there's there's a reason he's gotten to this point now he's wildly entertaining he's totally unpredictable uh i love the fact that i can ask him a very very basic question where the answer would seem to, you know, be very basic in return. And it never is like, it never is. He's going to give you something unexpected. Uh, he is completely unafraid to be himself. And people will sit there and say like, Oh, he says some things that are like a little inappropriate for TV. And oh, that's biz. Like uh, nothing he says though is inappropriate in a way where he's trying to harm someone else. And that's sort of the magic of biz. Like, uh, if he's making fun of anyone, it's almost always himself. You know, like he, he knows what his role was in the league yep. and he knows who he was. He knows who's on the desk there. You know, I mean, there are times he's on the desk with two hall of famers, you know, Hank and the greatest of all time. So, uh, but he also studies the game, can break down the game. He could coach if he wanted to. He knows that much about the sport. He's a tremendous communicator and he is self-aware, which so few people in the media are. Like, if he is going on for too long, he knows it. There's a clock. We all know it. People at home are like, is he going to stop? And he goes, all right, I have to shut up now, don't I? Like, and nobody does that, like, on TV. Like, it, it, it's sort of this raw, like, you know, you, like, you, you see people, like, stop in the middle of sentences, and it's awkward. Biz will make it comfortable for everyone because he's like, all right, I've been talking forever. Now i got to shut up. You guys get, get the talk. And people uh, get, like, you paid a lot of money to go to Syracuse. They're teaching you how to get out of those moments. 
And on the other yeah. side, we're going to get more into it. Let's send it over to Liam. <laughs> yeah. But he's no. like, yeah, he's like, so I'll good shut up. about that. You know, it's, uh, and, and he, I don't know. He's such a good guy. He's a tremendous teammate. I mean, th- there's a reason why, like, I think hockey is one of those sports where, like, if you are a fringe player, you better be a good teammate. Because, yeah, I mean, if you're a good teammate, you're going to get, you're going to get those opportunities. Yep. You're going to get chances that other guys are not. And I think Biz is one of those guys people want, like, like, oh, we could have this guy as our last guy here or this guy. And they're like, oh, bring this. Like, guy's going to love him. He'll be good. Story of my career. And he's committed to winning. So he's yep. going to keep things loose, but he also wants to win. And that's what we want for the show as well. I mean, I text with him regularly throughout the week. Uh, he's always coming up with ideas. He's, we're, you know, there's this constant communication with the group. Uh, and sometimes it's text about what's happening in the game. Then that just devolves into people making fun of each other. But like, that's sort of the show. And like, that goes around and around throughout the week. But Biz cares deeply about this show. And uh, because of that, like, when I talk, like, when you talk about ego, I think that's where his ego comes out. Like, if he wanted to know why something didn't get in the show or why something was cut short, and I think it's a different world for him because it was sort of unlimited time at the podcast. Uh, you know, he's not angry about like, why didn't I get more FaceTime or why didn't I get the, it's sort of like, Hey, why did this discussion get cut short? You yeah, left the fan hanging. Like that could have ex- been great for the fan. Exactly. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's the cool thing about him. And, you know, and, and that's what I love about him. And I loved it from Rick Tocca too, because, you know, both of those guys and Anson as well, um, we did the first season and people liked it and they react really well to it. And, you know, we could spend the summer sort of basking in the warm glow of that, but all of them, hit me up over the summer and they were like, all right, that was cool. Like, but now it's gotta be better. So how do we make it better? Which is also how we knew like we were going to lose Rick Tocchet. Cause we're like, Oh, this guy's going to be a coach. Cause yeah, like, I'll... he's like, he's already so competitive. Like he's like, it's gotta be better. It's gotta be better. There's gotta be ways to make it like, like, you know, sleeker and, and, you know, uh, smoother. And, and you knew right away that talk was going to be coaching again. But I think that's the beauty of biz where he can be this entertaining. He's this powerful in the sport. But he will never act that way. He's the best. He's the best teammate out there right now. Yeah, I think there, there, there's so much to unpack with Biz. But the one thing too is like he's still saying the same on the podcast. Like, yes, he says some things that are nutty and a little raunchy. But you yeah. know what? Though? Like, he knows how to sell to the, the listener, and he, he knows how to tell the line. I think he's great. I, I love that you brought up Tocket. He again, Flyers legend and legend in the community up here too. Like, people love him, and I'm happy. They're they're a fun team to watch. And oh it's, man. <clears throat> they are fun and they're getting better. Love Demko. I'm excited yeah. for the future of USA hockey too. I'm, I'm excited we're getting back to some more world stuff because that, that's it, that's oh my god! I died this year at the Olympics. At the like that was I the, know I know like greatest that. memories were that. And it feels like we'd have such a good team right now, Team USA. They'd be oh. so exciting. Uh, <laughs> and Canada would be nasty too. Like, Canada would be nasty, and it's but it's funny, like we you know you look it at would be really good advantage in goal that we would have over these teams, and uh, Crazy. You, know, you could potentially have two Kachucks and three Hughes, and uh, I mean it's it's such yeah. a well. And we're getting on the same line. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, I'm, I'm talking. It's amazing, and it's almost helped to show more that he left and had success, whether he had success or not. It, you know, it's just really cool that he went on and, and left the desk yeah. and you guys filled him in. So, all right, Connor Bedard. I mean, this guy in the beginning of his career, man, he had a hell of a journey through all these different big, big cities. He's got a plan and he's on the media all the time. And personally, everyone's like, I think it's too much. And I, and I get it. But at the end of the day, like, welcome to the show. I mean, this is how it is for these guys. People think like, what do you think these NFL quarterbacks got to do? I mean, I played with Christian McCaffrey. Oh. <laughs> 
it yeah. was nonstop. I mean, yeah. and they handle it unbelievably. Um, talk about yeah. Bedard. I mean, the impact on the game. I mean, obviously, it's through the roof. He made a pass last night that's insane. He's oh. starting to settle in a little bit. Uh, he's a future of the league. I wish he was coming to – we would have won the lottery in Philly and got him, but, hey, he's in a great city <laughs> in Chicago. And He is, yeah. Listen, I, I think it, I think you you hit the, the really difficult part right at the beginning, which was it was always going to be a lot. Um, but then they put him on this sort of uh, original six or play a legend or play the defending Stanley Cup champ tour to start the season. And and also the biggest markets, right? You know, the biggest uh, hockey markets, Toronto, Montreal, like you're going to go to these places and there's going to be rooms full of people. Yeah. And we're going to put on national TV like three times in the first week. So, but you're right. You know, this isn't just the first overall pick. This is the first overall pick who's being compared to like the five or six greatest players in the history of hockey. In terms of like what his influence can be, yeah, like you can't have it both ways. Where you can't say like it's too much, and then come back to me a month later and say, "Hey, why don't you grow the game through the stars of the of the game?" Like other teams. Well, we're, that's what we're trying to do. Like we're trying to put it on there. I also think it would have been different had they opened up against like you know San Jose and Anaheim, uh, you know, and you know some smaller markets for teams that were, uh, you know, really not thinking they were going to go anywhere this year. They're like it, the two was, teams though, are like the smaller markets that aren't doing anything. That's it though. Like the league's got a lot of parity. Right no, now. It, yeah. it is. It, it's, it's hard. It's funny. You can start going around. It's hard to find a lot of it. Okay, you but said yeah. the two. I'm like, okay, who's the third? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, maybe Columbus at that point. You're right. It's yeah. Like, Columbus, you know, but, yeah. but it's hard. I mean, instead he opened up against the biggest and the brightest, uh, <laughs> and he had to settle in. And he, listen, he's also, he looks like he's about 11 years old. I remember watching his first game. We still had uh, the baseball guys in from TNT because they're doing playoffs and uh, Pedro Martinez is sitting there on the couch with all the games on baseball and hockey. And he comes in, he's like, he's like, Liam, how old is that kid? 11, 12? And I was like, no, no, that's, that's the first overall pick. He plays for <laughs> Chicago. He's like, what? Like, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot for him to take in. But at the same point, like, he, he knew it was coming. He handled it. He settled into the league. Uh, he's not on a very good team. You know, he's not going to get cheap assists. You know, where guys are just going to go make magic, you know, with the puck after he gives it to him. You know, he's putting things on a platter for guys like he did last night with that pass. He he is legitimately the guy he was built up to be. Um, and I think the cool thing uh, for athletes nowadays is now, I mean, he's preternaturally gifted and he can skate, but he's not a huge dude. Yep. He's not a huge dude. And, and listen, I mean, as someone who is five foot ten and love sports, I love the fact that I can show my boys, like, hey, look at this kid. Like, it's not like he made it. He's the best. Like, he's the best at every level going up. And they drafted him number one with zero concerns over the fact that he's not very tall. Like, he can just play this game. And uh, I think that's a cool thing for hockey, where hockey's now, it's a lot more skill and speed-based. And it's not just like, hey, are you six foot four and can sort of grab somebody and hold them in the corner and slow this game down? And ugly shout out to Flyer. Yeah, right? like, I mean, it's, catcher, it's, right? These guys, it's, it's, and, and then they're afraid of like, can you take a hit from them too? And you're yeah. seeing in all other sports too, like Steph Curry. Oh, this thing always happens. I'm, I'm sick of this. Oh, yeah, no, we get the thumbs up. Yeah. It gives yeah. a thumbs up, it freezes. All right, we're back. So, no, like you've seen it. Steph Curry changed the whole thing in the NBA, right? Everybody yep. shoots. I went to a basketball practice from my high school who's like, a ranked team in the country the other day and they got probably 50 shots up 
before practice, each kid. And you're just like, whoa, man, yeah. I was here 10 years ago, and that was not – we didn't even do anything like that. No, no, you had, like, one kid who, like, was allowed to shoot. Correct. He was in a corner by himself, and he had the point guard working a dribble drive and kick to him every time. And the rest of them were all working, like, we're doing, like, the mic and drill. You know, yeah. like, it's not even that long no. ago. I played 2012. So, uh, it is getting long. I am getting old. But neither here nor there. Uh, yeah, he, I'm excited to watch him, the growth of the game. It's great he's in Chicago. Yeah, no, it's really cool. And then this week, you know, we're going to see Connor McDavid uh, take on Connor Bedard. And uh, Ooh, these boy. moments are always classic. And we saw, first off, we saw right off the bat where Bedard had to play against Crosby, game one. And they took an opening face off. And it was like, hey, good to see it. And it looked like uh, Crosby was going to take his wrist off. <laughs> like, he's like, and that was he's, on purpose, too. Like, Yeah, he's like, I'm taking this face off. And like, welcome to, welcome to the league, kid. Uh, All right, well, before we get to McDavid, touch on Sid. Because this guy, as a Flyers fan, I don't, I don't hate. I, you think you're crazy if you're a Flyers fan and you hate him. Like the yeah. guy is the most impressive. He may be my favorite NHL player of all time. The guy's unbelievable. He does everything right. He's the big fundamental. He scores. He shoots. He hits. He can fight. He's he, he's unbelievable. Talk about Sid and his his impact. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at maybe the greatest 36 year old season ever, and Sid's going to keep doing this as he gets older. Like he's going to have the greatest. He's not slowing down. Uh, the cool thing about him is he came in with an unbelievable skill set. And you knew he was going to be great, and he was instantly. And then as he's gone on every single year, Biz likes to use that term, he went in the lab, right? And But he did. He was like, hey, I'm not dominating draws. I'm going to dominate draws this year. Um, I'm not going to tell anybody I'm doing it. I'm not going to make a big show of it. But then you're going to see my numbers at the end. Or you're going to see in big moments in the playoffs, I'm going to win every big draw. And that's him. Like, he's a big game player, big moment player. Uh, he is. He doesn't have to shout and scream but he's intense. Like he, like, you know, there was, they pens had a closed door meeting recently because they've struggled on that power play. And as a result, they've struggled in the standings and you know, he didn't have to yell, but when Crosby spoke, everyone shut up, everyone shut up. And like, now it's a different intensity. Sullivan can yell and scream. He can do all that. doesn't make a difference. If Crosby comes in there and tells you guys that you're not doing the job that you need to be doing, you, you better, you better get home, look in the mirror and change some things about your game. He's also, I, he's such a unique modern athlete because he's arguably the best of his generation. He's on the Mount Rushmore of hockey. I, I absolutely believe that he's one of the top four players ever. And we know very little about him. Yep. We really do. It's by design. It's who he is. But usually by this point, we broke him through. Crosby is, is we may never know much about Sidney Crosby. Uh, you get a little bit from Biz. You get a little bit from Wit from playing with him. And that's been really good probably because no one else is talking. Yeah. About yeah. We've had, you know, uh, Colby Armstrong on and they're Colby. buddies. He's and great you get too. a little bit, but still like he knows he's like, yeah, I'm not just sharing this with you. I'm sharing it with everybody. So like it, it, he holds back now he'll give you his, like, you know, he'll give you his thoughts and his real opinion on what is happening with the game and what is happening, you know, uh, with Pittsburgh. He's not going to shy away from that, but he's not going to tell you a lot about his life. Um, he and and that's just different for the modern athlete. But it doesn't change the fact that like he is the model for an athlete in many ways, like like LeBron, like they are the model for athletes as you age. If you can be that intense, stay regimented, and you know injury free relatively. I mean, Crosby obviously went through uh, the yep. concussions, which was serious, but he came back from it. You can have this career and not only have this career, but like excel and be in the MVP conversation in your upper 30s. Why? Yeah, it's keeping them for old tight ends like me at 30 in a couple of days alive and well and fighting. <laughs> All right. So, Connor McDavid, 
I, I have yeah. to ask you about these guys, right? Do you cover the – I have to. I just don't know how – we don't – we won't talk enough hockey on here. I love having hockey people on because it's like this is fun. I don't need to talk. And I'll say this. I did think about this while you're talking. Jalen Hurts is the equivalent of Sidney Crosby now. Sid came in. He was top pick and all that stuff. But Jalen, for our football audience that don't know a ton about Sid and really don't, I think, understand Jalen Hurts, that guy every year he finds his weakness and works on it. Couldn't complete the deep ball. Boom. Like unbelievable. Now this year – you know, had success, but he hasn't been the prettiest, right? It's not always perfect, but they're still winning at a high clip. So I would compare them. They're always grinding. They're tough, physical. They've always been super strong and driven. And like, this is what I'm going to do. Jalen Hurts, military background, the whole transfer story. Just never satisfied. Never. And never. and quiet. And like, people are like pissed that he's so like, like this. And I'm like, no. You know how hard that is to do? Yeah. Like he did it, he found it. I didn't find that till year four. I used to scream and yell and freak out, and then I'm like, "Whoa!" Now I'm going to listen to reggae. I'm going to walk out. And I'm going to go play. Where before I'm like, I got to have the right Metallica song on. I got to eat my meal at this point. So I scrapped all that. I'm like, no, this, and I played my best football of my career for it. So all right, David, Connor McDavid. I think he's the best I- all time. Sorry, Wayne, but <laughs> listen, these guys, these goalies are different. The, the, yeah, some of the clips Wayne Gretzky was playing, and now Wayne's the bat. I, I love you, Wayne. I, but I ah, just this guy is unbelievable. And now they're on a streak. He's going to pull them out of it. You know they're going to do great. Oh, there's no doubt they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, I don't think there's even that much of doubt that he's going to eventually win the scoring title this year, which is just incredible considering the the fact he was injured early on. Uh, he was slow coming out of the gate. He didn't look like himself. Uh, he's a He's a man possessed. What he has in common with Gretzky, obviously, is the ability to see things on the ice that no one else can see and the crazy competitive nature, crazy competitive nature. Like if there is a a goal to be found, a point to be found, you know, there's no being nice about it. Like you go and you take it. You go and you absolutely take it and you look to rip someone's heart out. Uh, Even if you don't have to talk about it, you don't have to tell everybody you're going to do it, but you just show it on the ice. And I think that's what he and Wayne have, uh, completely in common uh i look at Tommy david this way i think he's the best team sport athlete in the world that's it i mean i, I and i don't think there's really that much competition uh you know I, I wouldn't put anyone in football there in terms of of influence right now uh soccer you know maybe a few years ago Messi, but Messi's getting older at this point i don't think there's anyone there that does that either uh basketball is easier now in a way because listen there's only five guys on the court at a time you can play a ton of minutes so you can have a huge influence but there are a few guys there in basketball. Um, McDavid is so far away above everyone else in his sport that I think it has to be him. He is the best team sport athlete in the world. Uh, and the coolest thing that McDavid does is he plays a million miles an hour and is in complete control of the game. He should be out of control. He should be unable to process the game mentally at the physical pace that he plays the game. But everything he does is so crisp and so perfect and purposeful. And I also love the fact that he's got a little like FU in his game too, that if they lose the puck on a power play, he just goes and gets it. Like this is like, you know, this is like, this is our power play. You don't get out the puck. We'll take that right back. Like you don't deserve to have it. I deserve to put on a show here. Give it right back to me. And I love that about him. Yeah. And Drysaddle's got a little bit of that too, which is, you know, why he's a stud. Oh my oh, God. He's it's so funny, like to think about like, oh, you're only like maybe the third or fourth or fifth best player in the world. Um, but we're not talking about you as much because McDavid's there. Yeah. Uh 
I mean, I can never put anyone above Wayne, but I get what you're talking about in this generation. Huh. And the, the pace that this game goes, uh, it, it'd be hard. But now comes the next test. I mean, and it's hard for one player to elevate or two players to elevate a hockey team to a championship. But they're getting the goaltending now on this run. The defense is starting to come around. Paul Coffey is running the defense now. And you know that you come over to the bench and Paul Coffey's sitting there. You can't hide. You can't pretend like you did your job if you didn't because he saw it all out there. And I think there's some accountability now because of that. Uh, if he could help, if he could win a championship, if he could win a Stanley Cup, you're, you're going to be in that conversation. I, I think that you're going to start seeing that. Uh, the problem is if they don't win or if they bow out early or if, God forbid, they, I'm wrong and they miss the playoffs. Now you're, the conversations are going to heat up in terms of when's Dreisaitl going to ask out? Uh, and if he leaves, does McDavid leave? Mm. And that is going to change everything in the landscape of hockey. But I think right now, they're where, the way they're playing, it's hard to imagine them missing the playoffs, and it's really hard to imagine them not making a deep run. So uh, I'm hoping we have it like we did a couple of years ago where we saw them in the Western Conference Final, and maybe they take that next step. But I, I mean, and isn't, isn't that what you want to see? I mean, yes. have, I want to see McDavid, biggest stage. All the time. Biggest it, it, stage. If Dreisaitl leaves, do they have the cap space to go get more guys? Now, Dreisaitl's the reason why they're good, too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It, what's McDavid want to do? Is he a lifer there? Do they give him more money than God? But if you give him more money, you can't tie up the money. It's so hard. It's, Sid, it's hard. Sidney Crosby. Up a little bit. And gonna be Everybody's got to take less, right? Sid but, says and it it's also, Let's be honest. Like, it's not a market where it's easy to bring free agents or no. to trade at the deadline because the no trade. It's not New York City. They're going to include Edmonton, most likely. Like, they're, you know, Winnipeg's on that list, Calgary. Edmonton could be on it. What you will get, though, I think, is some guys waving no trades on short-term deals. Yeah. Just because, like, oh, listen, I get a run with McDavid? Yeah, I'll do that. Uh, but it, it's not easy. And I don't know. I just – I want them in the playoffs, and then I want to see playoff McDavid activated like we saw the other year where he was checking people, too. Because oh. I loved that. Oh, when he just decided, like oh, – you, you know he can. Play playoff hockey, I'm going to knock people <laughs> on their asses. He's like a mix of, like, OV – Sid and like a McKinnon, it's a different situation. The guys, and if he's on the East Coast, he's playing for the Rangers. Oh my God, he's he's the face of the sports world, but he's in Edmonton. Yeah. We'll see, Liam. I can't thank you enough for your time, and hopefully, we get you back on for the playoff run. I know you'd be running around, but see if we can grab you later. That on. sounds awesome, man. Really appreciate you having.